Hello, welcome to episode 12 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm and with me in a new location this week is our WHL expert Liz Child. Uh, today's episode will run down the uh, top prospects game where we had some surprising stars step up. Then we'll cover our three stars of the week, talk about the Ottawa Senators prospects from the dub as our NHL team of the week. And of course, we'll finish up with this week's Connor Bedard report. How's it going, Liz? What's up? What's new this week? Um, not too much. I mean, as you said, I'm in the midst of moving. So we're kind of finding locations right now of where to record. Um, but yeah, it has been a fairly easy week for me, I think. Um, had some CUDA games. Unfortunately for me, the Barracuda played during the top prospects game, so I got to keep up with that and catch up on it after the game. Uh, but it was a very exciting week leading up to it. I got to watch all of like the recordings and all of the interviews going on, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm really looking forward to hearing all about your experience actually being there and being able to see all of this happen live. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was two long days, 40 guys is a lot of guys. <laughs> and so, uh, it was, uh, it was great being able to, uh, to have the chance to talk a little bit with so many of these players, as well as with, uh, Daniel and Henrik Sedin and, and, uh, there was just so much going on and, uh, seeing all the scouts and the NHL GMs at the, uh, dinner banquet last night was, uh, a little bit of a, an eye opener as well. So it was, uh, it was super fun. Um, earlier in the week, uh, I was also at Rogers Arena for uh, Bruce Boudreaux's last stand with the Vancouver Canucks and that whole situation. So there's been a lot going on. But uh, yeah, let's uh, keep our focus on uh, on Major Junior and on the dub. And uh, I uh, uh, will start with the top prospects game and the uh, your player of the game. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. There were there were some surprises that stepped up, but I mean, one of the surprise, one of the non surprises that stepped up. I mean, Scott Ratzlaff. I feel like if you've listened to us talk at all on this podcast, you probably heard Scott Ratzlaff's name two, three, four, five, twenty times already. But um, he did exactly what you were expecting him to do. He showed up to top prospects and just kind of said, "All right, I'm here. Uh, we want to talk about Thomas Millage winning at World Juniors. Well, look what I can do still too." And uh, he has looked fantastic. And I mean, I know goaltenders only play half a game at top prospects, but if you have to choose the goaltender that stood out, I mean, he he had walked away that night with the highlight of the night, the save of the night multiple just everyone was talking about him and for good reason it's Scott Radcliffe. Um, absolutely. And, uh, as you say, I was excited to, uh, to see him step up at that level. Cause, uh, I did a story on him for the hockey news magazine after he won the gold medal at the Helenka Gretzky cup in the summer. And, uh, I was really impressed with how he carried himself He's a really talkative kid with a great attitude. So when they were doing the, uh, the big media availabilities on Tuesday, I was actually the only person who requested him. Um, because Carson Bjarnason was kind of the, uh, you know, higher profile goalie of the, of the two starters. And so when, uh, when Scott came out and the, uh, and the media person's like, you know, Scott Ratzlaff, who was looking for Scott Ratzlaff? I was just like, I was, I wanted to say hi and, uh, and catch up with you a little bit. So if you, uh, if you find Scott Ratzlaff's clip on the WHL Twitter feed, that conversation that uh, is basically just him and me chatting about everything. And the uh, um, caption that they put was something like Scott Ratzlaff is all smiles ahead of the top prospects game. So we had a, we had a yes. lovely chat and then uh, yeah, it was cool to uh, watch him. Team white was sort of perceived as the underdog team. 
which was the team that he started for because it was the non-Connor Bedard team. But uh, if you look closely at the rosters, there were probably more higher ranked players on white. And that was sort of what they did, I think, to kind of balance it out. And they found what I thought was a, was a pretty good balance until team white kind of walked away with it a little bit in the, in the third period. So uh, Ratsoff, as you said, definitely had the heavier workload of the two starters and uh, got himself, uh, you know, into some interesting situations. Uh, stopping the Michigan from, uh, from Riley Haidt was, uh, was a huge deal. And listening to him talk about how determined he was because he did not want to be on that highlight for the next month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> certainly, because when, when I did Good motivation. It, yeah, when I did it, I was like, what a great idea. Like, this game is so high profile. If you did score on the Michigan, like, you would get so much press. From, but from now it turned that. into look at what Scott Ratzlaff did. <laughs> so I mean, it worked out for it worked out for a player either way. It just didn't happen to be the one who attempted the, the Michigan on that. Yeah, and the uh, the play stoppage when they did the goalie change at uh, eleven thirty into the second period. The last thing that Scott's route. Scott Ratzloff did was stone Connor Bedard in tight. So um, all things considered, he did allow one goal, but I think he stopped 24 shots in half a game. He was busy. He was excellent. <laughs> and, and people have definitely noticed and watching the buzz kind of go around the press box of everybody noticing uh, how well he did uh, made me very proud. <laughs> yeah. So I was, uh, I was really happy for him. Um, with the Michigan attempt, Riley Height from the Prince George Cougars was the uh, player of the game for Team Red, uh, again, on a team that has number 98 on it. So good for Riley Height. Um, and he said he'd never tried a Michigan in a game situation before. So he was looking almost a little bit sheepish when he was getting asked about it after the game. I maybe a little bit sort of surprised that there was so much attention being paid to it. But uh, yeah, good game from him. Um, we'll talk more about Bedard and his merry group of British Columbians <laughs> that he grew up with, which was a huge talking point um, later on in the podcast. Uh, so I just wanted to mention a couple other guys. Um, great game for Kaylin Lind from Red Deer. Um, it, even on Tuesday, there was a lot of chatter about how this isn't an all-star game. These kids have so much on the line that no matter what type of player they are, they have to be really true to playing their games and that they are, there are ways that you can stand out at top prospects that aren't necessarily about, you know, putting up a ton of points or scoring goals. So Lind had, had a really physical night, throwing some hits in the first period, going up against six foot five inch Mateo man from the queue in the corner and making the boards rattle. So he made himself noticed early on. And then uh, with the game tied one, one going into the third period, uh, Lynn dropped the gloves and uh, and and won a fight and sparked his team and and that seemed to be a real momentum changer for for Team White that then went on to score the three third period goals and uh, and and take the win. So uh, you know, good good job by Lind for uh, finding a way to to really play an important role that was definitely important to the uh, um, the outcome of the game for the team. It's not necessarily so much about who wins and loses in this, but still interesting to see who who grabs the brass ring and, and how they're able to make things happen. So uh, we'll leave it there for now. I have a feeling I'll be chatting about this every episode from now until the end of time with more nuggets, but uh, we'll continue on to our regular segments. We've got three stars of the week coming up. So uh, Liz, take us away and tell us who your third star of the week is. 
Yeah, and uh, if we can't tell, I really like goaltenders. So two of our three stars are goaltenders, uh, but they are deservedly so on this list. Uh, our third star of the week this week is uh, Tomas Sukanek from the Tri-City Americans. Um, and while he only had one game in the week since we've talked, uh, he had one game against a completely stacked Kamloops Blazer team where he made 48 saves on 50 shots. Again, just standing on his head, basically doing exactly what he did at World Juniors, where his team may have been, you know, a little recounted out a little bit. The guys where everyone's like, ah, I mean, like you're doing well, but is this where it ends? And he kind of came in and said, oh, Kamloops has all the firepower and you don't think that we can do this? Well, watch our team win 8-2. <laughs> um, again, it was a massive pouring of just offense from the Tri-State Americans that like you've seen sparks of throughout the year and throughout maybe even a little bit of last season, but it was just kind of one of those can they beat a Kamloops Blazer roster like this? And I mean, an 8-2 win, you can say like, oh, the team was going to win either way. But Tomas Sukanek stopped 48 of 50 shots from guys like Logan Stankoven and that entire roster. And it, it's just one of those, it could have been an 8-7 game. It could have been a 9-8 game. Who knows? But I mean, anytime a goaltender is stopping is facing 50 shots, let alone stopping 48 of them. You got to give him some props. And uh, he's been fantastic just this whole year. So, yeah. It, looking um, <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, anytime you've got a game with a 50 shot uh, um, workload in it, it's probably just as well that he only had one start this week. So uh, yes. <laughs> that's like two um, games worth of, worth of work. Now, uh, second star, you flip over to uh, to the other side of that matchup. <laughs> Yeah, so on the other side of that matchup, we have Logan Stankoven, who uh, the next night against uh, not Tomas Sukhanek, um, and I just want to say Nick Avakian stood on his head as well, did everything that he could to keep his team in it, uh, took the Kamloops Blazers to overtime, so let's not forget about the fact that the Tri-State Americans are kind of going, I think we can do this. Anyway, uh, then you have Logan Stankoven the next night coming around, getting a hat trick. Uh, getting six points in two games. That hat trick game, he had three goals and two assists. He kind of just said, and I think I said it last week even, he came back from World Juniors and said, I'm still here. <laughs> like I'm still doing everything I can. Uh, he's looked absolutely phenomenal. I cannot say enough good things about Logan Stankoven. Um, I feel like he's another one of those players where you've, just, you've heard us talk about him week after week. And on a Kamloops Blazers team that has so many guys that everyone's watching, the fact that Logan Stankoven is still that draw where you're still like, yes, it's still the Logan Stankoven show. Um, I just, it's phenomenal to watch for me. Yeah. It's going to be fun to, uh, to follow that for the next couple months and uh, going forward into the playoffs. And then obviously with, uh, with the Blazers hosting the Memorial Memorial cup, we'll be seeing Stankoven work his magic all the way through to uh, late May, early June. So uh, that'll be cool. Um, and I teased our first star of the week already in the uh, top prospects segment, another guy who played 31 minutes and 30 seconds at the other end of the ice. Yeah, Carson Brudarnison. He was phenomenal last week. He looked great in the top prospect top prospects game. Uh, literally last week was all him. Everyone was talking about him. He is a top touted goaltender for a reason. Everyone's talking about him for a reason. He had two games since we last talked. He had one goal, goal against average. Uh, 964 save percentage in those two games, which is absolutely insane. Uh, 
This season, he's at a 2.84 goals against with a 914 save percentage, which does not tell the whole story. Um, his win-loss record also does not tell the whole story. He's been doing everything he can for this Brandon Weekings team, who's struggling a little bit in front of him. Um, they're just not having the season that I think everyone was expecting from the Brandon Wheat Kings. And yet he's still going night after night. I'm going to step in. You're going to know you can rely on me. We're not losing because of goaltending. Um, and he's been that guy that you're just sitting back watching going, all right, I'm just going to enjoy sitting here and watching what you can do and just kind of relax and be like, it'll be fine. He'll be, he'll, he's got this. Um, um and it's one of those things that I feel like you can't say about a lot of, you know, highly touted goaltenders where sometimes you're sitting there like, I'm stressing a little bit. I'm watching you and I'm like, I know you can do this, but <laughs> I need to breathe. Um, yeah, Bjornison had a very solid outing yesterday in Langley. He started for Team Red and didn't see as much rubber as uh, as Ratzlaff did, but he uh, he also only allowed one goal and things seemed very calm um around around his net during the time that uh that that he was between the pipes so he did really well um got to talk to him a little bit on tuesday and he was talking about carrie price as his uh goalie role model mentor so when you talk about calm cool and collected uh there's certainly a bit of a through line there <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and he's just one of those guys I, I feel like you see that in his game night after night it's not like one night he'll seem cool and collected, and the next night you're just like, oh, you're getting a little stressed there, bud. It's just a full-on, like, we're playing hockey. I'm in that. We got this. And it's it's just interesting to watch because you just don't see it all the time. Now moving on to our NHL Team of the Week. This week we have the Ottawa Senators. And uh, continuing our theme of all things Vancouver, we will start with the former captain of the Vancouver Giants who has now moved on to the Winnipeg Ice. Yeah, uh, Zach Ostopchuk is, you know, like you have listed here, he's drafted 39th overall by Ottawa in 2021. Uh, two <laughs> two World, uh, junior, World Juniors gold medals. Uh, he's kind of been that guy where you just watch him and you're just like, Zach Ostopchuk, when are you going to stop doing things? Um, I, for me, he was one of the surprise trades at the deadline. I just didn't see the Giants moving him. But from what I was told is the ice – basically just called a bluff and said, uh, yeah, we'll pay you that. We'll give you what you want for him. And the Giants went, we can't turn that down. So <laughs> sounds good. Um, but Zach Ostopchuk is just one of those guys that you just watch and you're just like, what are you doing? Uh, he's exciting to watch. He's fun. It's just one of those, you just can't, I feel like unless you watch Zach Ostopchuk, you can't really describe the effect of watching Zach Ostopchuk play. <laughs> Um, he's one of those guys last year where one of our, our mutual acquaintances and friends, uh, uh, Adam Gersenblatt, uh, is kind of one of the biggest Zach Ostopchuk truthers I think I've ever encountered. <laughs> um, and I think last year I was fighting him a little bit. I was just like, dude, stop talking about it. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear it. And this year I've kind of just converted and I'm like, yeah, I'm on board. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you've, you've gotten to watch him a few times, I think, with the Giants, right? Uh, I just got to see him that one game um, okay. with the uh, in the fall. Um, yeah, and it was a it was a solid outing for him. And again, the uh, the Giants upsetting the uh, Regina Pats show that we were expecting to see that night. Um, and uh, a real indicator of the legacy that Ostopchak has left with the Giants, even though he's not with the team anymore. Um, 
during the one of the intermissions last night, they had uh, the mini minor hockey game with the little kids playing, and uh, they interviewed one of the uh, one of the kids after the game, as they do. Um, and you know, what is, what's your name? How old are you? What position do you play? And this, uh, this little boy said that he played center. And he was asked, you know, what 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 made you decide to play center? And his eyes got really big, and he looked really sad as he was like, because it was Zach Stapchuk's position. <laughs> and my heart just broke looking at this eight-year-old that is just devastated that his his role model and favorite player of all time and the, and the player that he's going to remember you know for the rest of his life it'll be amazing if this kid you know turns into somebody and tells his story in 10 years time as he's like heading towards <laughs> his draft here I think we all remember it, the first player that got traded when we were little that just made us so sad I remember crying when that happened and uh I, it just brought back all those memories when I looked at that kid. And, and, but at the same time, I was proud and happy for a stop check that his oh, yeah. memory and his legacy is still being held in such a, such high esteem at the Langley event center. He had gone, but not forgotten literally. So uh, it'll be fun. And, and again, it's not like he's in a bad spot with Winnipeg. So it will be fun to see uh, <laughs> what he Oh no, he got traded that. to the top team in the, in the CHL. Oh, how dare he? <laughs> the horror. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got a couple of other uh, Ottawa prospects as well that we wanted to uh, to share with you. So uh, let's move on now to uh, Carson Latimer. Yeah, Carson Latimer, another one of those that Winnipeg picked up <laughs> this year. Uh, he got traded from the Prince Albert Raiders to the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, his 27 points in 37 games this season, uh, including one goal in six games with the Ice. Uh, he's one of those guys, he's, he's interesting to watch. Personally, he's not one that always draws my eye. Uh, which I'm sure I'm going to get some angry people being like, oh, no, you need to watch him more. He's absolutely electric. But for me personally, he's one of those I enjoy watching him. He does stand out when I do see him, especially when he's making moves. Uh, but it's just one of those I'm not tuning into a Winnipeg Ice game to watch Carson Latimer. I wasn't tuning into a Prince Albert game specifically to watch Carson Latimer. But I think he's going to be a good pickup for Ottawa down the line. I think that they're going to be very happy with what they have in him. Uh, but I do think he just he just needs that time. And that's why he's in a developmental league. That's why I'm sure he's going to be, you know, spending time with the ice, with the uh, Belleville Sens at some point. Like he's just he's one of those guys who's going to be there for you, but give him some time. He just needs to kind of build that up. And I feel like you can say that for just about everyone, but he's one that you can kind of see it with. Yeah. And uh, as we talk about development paths, uh, we've, uh, our, our other Senators player here certainly falls into that category as he hit a, uh, a milestone this week. Uh, he was a first round pick in, uh, in 2020, drafted 28th overall. And uh, as I was looking at his bio information, I noticed that he has the same birthday as I do. So all of a sudden I feel oh. this uh, very tight affinity for uh, World Juniors star Ridley Grieg. <laughs> Yes, uh, who made his NHL debut. We are recording this on Thursday, the 26th of January. He made his debut last night on Wednesday, the 25th with the with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, it was really exciting to just kind of hear about it. And I think if you watch like the video of him just kind of talking about his path there, it was it's it's a lot of fun. He's one of those guys you just again, you like to root for. Uh, he did pick up an assist in his NHL debut, which is always fun. I love when the guys kind of come out and like make their presence known, especially when they're from the dub. It's just, you know, I do have that bias. I like when the dub guys kind of show up and they're like, yeah, we got this. 
but I was really excited to just kind of hear that he was making his debut. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the game, uh, but I heard a lot of good things. And I think everyone that I've seen talk about him were just like, yeah, he fits in. He, he looked good. He didn't look like he was completely out of place. So that's yeah. always nice to hear. And that's a, that's a terrific timeline because he was um... – you know, a really important player for Team Canada at the Summer World Junior Tournament before he got injured. Everyone was very worried about whether or not Canada was going to be able to continue without him. He'd been carrying that much of the load for the team. And uh, they were able to, which was awesome. But, uh, you know, here it is now only six months later and he's making his NHL debut. So that's almost a, a perfect evolution in terms of, uh, you know, sort of growing and 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 being ready to make the the next step so it'll be fun to see what else he can do for uh for the rest of the year people certainly seem very impressed with his game um as they should be honestly <laughs> for sure now speaking of players who impress people um <laughs> there's this guy named Connor Bedard you might have heard about uh I mentioned him to uh to Henrik Sedin yesterday when we were chatting I was like you know uh you know I basically said the same thing there's this guy Bedard did you hear about him and Henrik deadpans who's that <laughs> <laughs> So that is fantastic. Who thinks the Sedines don't have a sense of humor? I've got news for you. It was it was a pretty cool moment. Um, but uh, Bedard obviously is a a local boy here in the Lower Mainland. Was certainly at the uh, at the center of attention for uh, uh, the top prospects game, and uh, uh, he certainly stunned the crowd and the millions of onlookers from coast to coast by doing something he rarely does, and that is putting up no points. Yeah. I, that was a big thing. I, I feel like everyone on Twitter last night were like, oh, Connor Bedard a bust because he didn't get any points in the top prospects. And I'm, I am laughing because we had a little bit of a conversation earlier, just like the top prospects game isn't where you get your make or break. Like you get to see the stars, you get to see them all stacked up against each other, but in no way, shape or form is Connor Bedard not getting a point at the top prospects game. One of those, oh, we need to question everything about this player. Is he deserving a first overall? Like... <laughs> It's it's just not one of those moments. <laughs> yeah, and in terms of perspective, too, we have to remember that this is only the third game all year in any situation that Bedard has gone pointless. Um, he didn't score or didn't pick up any points in the first game of the year with the Regina Pats. He didn't get any points in the gold medal game at World Juniors, and that turned out okay. Um, and now he uh, didn't get any points at top prospects. Um, again, he was he was certainly noticeable. He still led the uh, the whole game with six shots on goal. Um, was buzzing pretty good in the in the first period. Drew a penalty really early on, um, which I believe led. To, uh, I can't remember if it was the if if that powerfully. No, I don't think it was. Never mind. Um, this is bad when I try and go off the top of my head, but. Um, <laughs> No, you know, and again, listening to Ratzlaff and some of the other players on Team White talk about how they game planned for him and how being perceived as sort of the underdog team, they wanted to make sure that they were going to be able to not be embarrassed and to, you know, to stay level with him. Like there's there's pride and the competitiveness and everything else involved in that. So it always takes two teams to play the game and, and you know, kudos to the Team White organization with the... Um, I believe it was Team White had, uh, yeah, two times down, three times down the cup winner, Brent Seabrook on their side, too. I think he knows a little bit about <laughs> what it takes to defend uh, hotshot scoring stars. So, um, you know, good on good on the, uh, the on the White team for being able to execute that. Um, I did also want to talk about 
the BC connection. Um, I wrote quite a bit about the the game this week, as you might expect. I have three stories altogether uh, on the hockey that have gone up on the Hockey News website this week. So if you do want to read any of the stuff in more detail, um, you can just follow through to my uh, to my Twitter account at Pool88, and I have the links to all the stories there. One of them is about the BC and Lower Mainland connections and the long list of players that uh, were in this game this week that uh, have known Bedard since he was nine or 10 years old, played spring hockey with him, all these kids from the Lower Mainland, like Zach Benson and Dragosevic and um, uh, who else? There's there's way more. Um, um, Bedard was a little bit disappointed that Andrew Kristall from Kelowna was not here because of injury. Cause again, he's a, uh, a longtime friend. And uh, if you haven't seen the story on the BC connections from the Vancouver province, um, it's worth Googling that and uh, going to click on the story just to see the photo that they were able to pull up of Crystal and Bedard playing together in a tournament when they were about nine or 10 years old. It's, it's super cute. So um, that's, that's well worth a look just for that. Um, it made me think about how busy these kids would have been too over the, like each of them talked about sort of having 20 or more people, advisors, skating coaches, all of the, you know, cogs in the machine that, that help them along the way. So when you're in town for only two days and you have all of that going on, as well as a jam packed schedule of events and media and everything else around the tournament, I wondered if maybe one of the reasons why we didn't see too many of the lower mainland kids really pop on Wednesday night was just because they'd had a lot on their plate. And by the time it got to game time, there wasn't a whole lot more juice in the tank. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um, somebody else mentioned to me that a lot of the, um, the junior players that were at World Juniors have been had an opportunity to take a little bit of a break too, that they've gone home for a few days. Like when Thomas Millich was in Vancouver last week before hooking back up with Seattle, things like that, where obviously Bedard, that hasn't been the case for him at all. He was like straight back to Regina and straight back into the fire, putting up multi-point games because he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, trying to, uh, you know, make sure that the Pats are in a, a good spot as far as playoff positioning goes. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to, carve out a little bit of rest time for him because he certainly is already being stretched really thin and still has five more months of heavy demands on his time as we get closer and closer to the draft so it'll be interesting to see how that goes also just right. wanted to quickly shout out uh, another vancouver boy luca canyoni uh who uh yeah i thought that you might appreciate me uh giving him a bit of a mention because uh he was on a little bit of a different path from most of these lower mainland kids who are playing in the elite programs here and he talked quite passionately on tuesday about being undrafted into the whl and how grateful he is for all of the guidance and support that he's gotten from mike johnson and the portland winterhawks program that has that has brought him along and gotten him to where he is now so it was um it was really cool to see him like what a win it was for him just to be at top prospects in the first place um and he came out like a house on fire in the first period he was playing on the first unit power play and shooting the puck every chance he got and was just like all over the ice and it seemed like he sort of maybe his battery kind of you know started to fade a little bit as the game went on but he he really looked determined to make a big impression at, at first and uh, he certainly made a good impression with the media so I was uh, I was I was very impressed with Kegioni and I, I see what you see in him now so that was uh, that was a cool <laughs> moment for me uh 
tell us about what uh, what is up this week for Connor Bedard. Uh, yeah, well, this week the Pats are on the road, so they're going to be hitting to Red Deer uh, to face the Rebels, Calgary to face the Hitmen, and they're going to be seeing the Lethbridge Hurricanes before we talk next. Uh, with three games coming up, for us, you know, we like to set that high goal for him. Uh, last week, I think I said 10 points in two games. Came a little short of that. Um, had, I think, just the the three, but they were all goals. So, you know what? It's fine. Um, still has 81 points in 33 games. So, you know what, Connor? Good for you. We're still setting the bar high. Uh, three games. Let's go for 12 points this week. Uh, I want to come back, and I want him to have 93 on the season. <laughs> I just want to sit there. And you know what? In two weeks, we're going to hit that 100. That's just what we're going to do. That's the standard for Connor Bedard is end of January <laughs> – or middle of February, end of January timeline, uh, Connor Brown is going to have 100 points, and we're just, that's just where we're going to be for the year. I think you should also be motivated by the fact that there is a player in the queue who's actually ahead of him in the CHL scoring race now. Um, there's He's not draft eligible, but he does have 82 points. So the fact that Connor is not in the absolute okay. dominant position in the whole league, I think should fire him up to, uh, I mean, that get... first game of the season, Connor, you really, you really couldn't score in that first game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> so on the one hand, I'm talking about making sure he gets some rest. And on the other hand, we're demanding four points a game over the next three games. So yeah, fine parents <laughs> we would make. <laughs> Just casual is fine. Anyways, it's going to be super fun to watch what Bedard uh, does for the rest of uh, the, the next two months before we get to the end of the regular season set up for the WHL playoffs. And uh, yeah, a lot more um, characters now that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm more invested in as well to see how uh, this race goes the rest of the way. So we'll wrap it up, leave it there for now. Thank you again for uh, tuning in and uh, we should... Uh, be back again with you next week, next Thursday, for uh, for more. Uh, Producer Connor would like me to officially shout out Jordan Dumais with the 82 points for uh, in the QH, QMJHL, too. So um, I, I felt fine. that. I couldn't couldn't remember his name off the top of my head. But, uh, yes, dating <laughs> the whole CHL and scoring. I only have, like, 40 draft-eligible guys in my head. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking with it. Um, I only just don't like to talk about anyone who's not from the dubs, so it's fine. Uh, well, I, I will also shout out Ethan Goche from the queue, who I thought was one of the more engaging speakers and uh, and and a pretty had a pretty good game too. So uh, uh, okay. note that as well. <laughs> Anyways, we are way off topic. I'm a little bit uh, punchy, I guess, after two very long days of work. So on behalf of Liz and myself, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate it, and look forward to chatting with you again next week.